Welcome to Game of Books with Kathy in South Dakota. That's me. And Christy in South Florida. That's me. We're two newbie writers sharing our take on wine, food, and mystery books. And the authors who write them. Join us for the fun. Hi, Christy and all you mysterious foodies out there. We're back at our regular episodes after a great Corkson conversation last week. If you didn't have a chance to listen, then you should. Tracy Hall had some excellent information for all writers, really, but especially newbie writers. She's a prolific writer. Very. And organizes her writing projects and her time in a really interesting way. I know. It was fun to talk to her. She, Yeah, she was really fun to talk to. And, of course, the wine wasn't bad either. <laughs> Never is. <laughs> Speaking of wine, I think it's definitely time for some. Tell us what you picked this week, Christy. Okay, so I need to say... First thing off the bat that I broke the rules. Again. Yeah. <laughs> I'm <laughs> no. such a rule breaker. <laughs> so I picked Sancerre, which is a French Sauvignon Blanc. I'm sorry, what kind was that? Sancerre. We like to have Christy, our resident <laughs> Francophile, uh, repeat things in French. Right. So it's um, La Franche Sancerre, and it is actually over $20. Dun, dun, dun. Yes, so that's how I broke the rules. It may be cheaper in South Dakota. You never know. Our, the bottles of wine usually are, but yeah. I did not check and see if they have this back in Berkeley. This was um, $26.99 at Total Wine. Okay. But, you know, it was well recommended. And, you know, I just really wanted to try it. And I figured we were both together, so we only have to get one bottle. So we can, right. like, split the difference. So a little reason to celebrate. Well, let's give it a let's give yeah, it a let's try give here. It a little taste. What do you think? I like it. I do too. It's kind of like okay. Well, Sancerres are well, they're Sauvignon Blancs, but because they're from the Sancerre region in France. Mm-hmm. They that's how they get the designation of Sancerre, and they're supposed to be different. Um, from the California Sauvignon Blancs because of the types of soil. Um, or the New Zealand Sauvignon Blancs, which we've done a few of the New Zealands. Mm-hmm. I, I really think this tastes a little more, what? It's um, a little more acidic. The way they describe it, and I'm trying to find, because I have so many notes on this, <laughs> um, it has... A flint, which allows the wine to taste like chewing on rocks. Does it taste like chewing on rocks? You know, I can't say. I cannot say I I felt that with it. Sometimes it has a more gravelly, which makes the wine more lemony, apple-like wine. Oh, that's interesting. It is a little lemony, I think. Yeah. There's chalk, which makes it a heavier floral grapefruit-like wine. And then there's limestone and clay, which makes it very high-quality, rich, full, more herbal wine, like fresh thyme or tarragon. I will say it's a fuller-bodied wine than other Sauvignon Blancs. I mean, it feels maybe a little a little sweeter than mm-hmm. crisper to me. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to have a little sip and see if I taste so, the So, yeah, gravel. so they're, you know, and, and this particular one, it's hard to say. This one, they say this vineyard is planted equably on chalky Silicious and stony parcels, which produces a sancerre with character. Hmm. So anyway, they have a different soil. So and the big thing with sancerre is they are supposed to go great with goat cheese. 
interesting. Yes. So I do have some goat cheese that we can try with a little bit well, later. Well, let's do it a little bit later when we have it in our sip. Yes, yeah. So um, anyway, um, it's it's supposed to be very good, and it's very popular right now. So I figured let's try it. Well, I'm glad we did. It's very nice to yeah. drink. I mean, it's a yeah. very, very enjoyable wine. I don't think we've ever, of all the different wine descriptions we've had, I don't recall any that have described gravel. <laughs> I know. And so that's very interesting. The the end of this one said um, that still tastes a little like drinking from a waterfall. I'm like, what? I don't know. That's very interesting. I'm thinking that whoever wrote this description of Sancerre wines um, are... Had a word count? No. <laughs> yeah. It does say the Sauvignon Blancs from New Zealand are high acidity. I don't know. Sancerre is barely fruity. So that it's just a, it's, it's not as fruity. Mm-hmm. That is true. Yeah. And I feel it like on the, on my tongue, a little more acidic, but hmm. I kind of like it. I do too. It's, it's nice. But I, I want some goat cheese now. Oh, I, I, I would, I would not ever disagree with you on that. Okay. Well, yeah. that's interesting. <clears throat> yep. So Kathy, how are you handling the time change? Okay. So last weekend was daylight savings mm-hmm. and you know, I have to say, most people that I talk with about daylight savings or the time change, it's grumbling, right? It's not very often like, oh, goody. Nobody likes the change right? when it happens. And I, you know, it is very nice to have more daylight at the end of the day. I will admit that. Right. But I really miss the early morning light that you're just getting. Oh, really? Know? So you're on the non-daylight well, savings I, side of things. I, I do really enjoy... You know, seeing that um, the early morning light as it as mm-hmm. it gets towards spring. But um, here's the thing: I know I'm not a historian by any means, but I understand that this was originally passed right to save fuel. Right after World War One, mm-hmm. President Roosevelt, you know, um, came up with this idea to to save energy. Right. Okay. It's a it's a sound idea. I'm sure it was very. I just wonder now in this day and age how pertinent it is now you know no i don't think i think i don't think it really matters <laughs> so but but i did because I, things have changed so much i mean they have. and they complain about every aspect of it one way or the other mm-hmm. like you know um students going to school oh in the dark gosh. and i'm like well they kind of do already yeah and then it was like wasn't it to you know go with the farm schedule or I don't know I mean yeah it's like... I think that was one of the industries that could benefit from it you mm-hmm. know in the early 1900s but I I I recall something and I I, I didn't do a ton of research on this but I remember that um, I think President Bush did some signed some legislation to alter it maybe by a few weeks or something so it's not like it hasn't been revisited right lately and so I just I'm... well hopefully I mean it's it's always being brought up in the state of florida it why and florida um, specifically florida is um they are on the side of they want to keep it in daylight savings time like how mm-hmm. it is now because we're big tourism Your tourism sure and you know when it comes time to go out to dinner i mean it's what? already dark you're not seeing the ocean views the water right. views the you know that type of thing plus i mean i just kind of like it and I think a lot of people who work really nine to five jobs, they're like, okay, I don't get any daylight right. when 
in the winter specifically for sure. oh, because for sure. you know I get out of work and it's already getting dark. I go yeah. in when it's dark. I get out when it's dark. Yeah, or... yeah. It's it's really interesting. I mean, I know some places hit and miss, but like Arizona, I think does not participate at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd be curious to know, you know, how it's impacted their economy and that kind of things. From the other thing we have in Florida, we actually have two different time zones up in the Panhandle. It switches for just part of the panhandle. So that was the other thing that they're going to do, make the whole state be the same. You know, it's interesting to say that because South Dakota has two time zones as well. Really? We do. And it is, it's, it's much more equitably split. It's right down the um, mm-hmm. river, right down the Missouri river. And mm-hmm. so the West, but it, our whole state is known as the West side and the East side and, and the West side's in mountain zone and the East side is central zone. That's crazy. And so when I got here yesterday, Mm-hmm. I was um, trying to get my luggage that was lost in Central, which is in Dallas. Mm-hmm. I was in Eastern here with you, and my daughter had traveled out in the west side of the state. Oh, to my gosh. Ranch in the mount- mountain zone, and I was trying to figure out where everybody was, and, and uh, um, it was messing with my mind. So, interesting. We'll but see. I, but I, do, um, I do recall just the difficulties when like, my kids were little of getting them on a, you know, a sleep schedule yeah. when that happened. Well, every time it changes, it messes it up. And, I mean, you know... I'm I'm feeling it a little bit still, I think. Yeah. You know? Interesting. I'd love to know more about it, but I did not do the research. So I think we should take another sip of wine. Okay. And I'm dying to hear about what you thought about our book that we chose today. Okay. So we decided to shake things up and read the same book for the very first time. I know. We're, 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 we were finding that we didn't have enough time to read each other's books, which we always want to do, right. as well as our own, as well as the new bestsellers out there. And it was kind of it's kind of making us sad. Well, it was. Right? There's only so many hours in the day. Um, we both read a lot, but mm-hmm. you know, we would each bring a selection to our podcast, and then you'd want to read that one, but then we were getting ready for the next one, and it was getting to be a lot. It was a little crazy. Yeah. I mean, we're supposed to be writers, mm-hmm. not just readers, <laughs> and while we don't mind doing that, and we can call it research, it's probably um, not the best for our writing, so we were getting a little carried away. And I think it'd be fun to talk about the same book together. Yeah. I'm excited to do yeah. that. So we decided to pick books that were in the genre we're both working in, which is mm-hmm. thrillers and mysteries, mm-hmm. uh, preferably newer releases or you know something on the best-selling list so we can talk about why so many people like it. Right. Um, <clears throat> so we did that this week, and... And we chose Judgment by Joseph Vinder. Yes, it was on the New York Times bestseller list when we first chose it. And after reading the description of it, we just had to get it. We knew it was the perfect book for us to share. Yeah. So, Christy, why don't you tell them a little bit about the author? Okay, so Joseph Fender, he is, he's had um, 14 previous suspense novels. And have you read any others? I don't think so. I hadn't either. I know. So I'm very excited to have found this They were like the switch, the fixer, suspicion. I mean, they all got great names. Great Um, names. He had um, a private spy named Nick Hiller in his Vanished books, which was apparently an instant bestseller. And I don't know where I was. I was probably, I don't know, in the carpool line or something. (laughs) But he's also had um, High Crimes and Paranoia um, were adapted to major motion pictures. 
Now, I don't remember seeing those either. High Crimes, isn't, who, who was in High Crimes? I think it was um, uh, Morgan Freeman, probably. <laughs> he was in a lot of those thrillers. I don't know, but I think I remember High Crimes. Our sound editor is, is nodding to us. He's Okay, was it Ashley Judd also? Yeah. I have seen that. Okay, It yeah. was very good. So that was one of his yeah. novels. And that was a legal thriller. That was very good, yeah. Yeah. And um, he's um, had international bestseller, Killer Instinct. Um, he's just won a bunch of awards. And as a person, he sounded sort of interesting, or I think very interesting. Um, he was a member of the Council on Foreign Relations mm -hmm. and Association of Former Intelligence Officers. And he's a graduate of Yale and the Harvard Russian Research Center. So his position on that committee is probably due to his previous Russian. work. Okay, interesting. So he has a lot of intrigue and right. um, you know, international yeah. espionage type in information. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, there's uh, he's he does other writing things, too. Like, he'll... There was something really interesting that you might want to look up. Is it was five novelists imagine Trump's next chapter. I read that. I read it, and he was one of them. I read that. I yeah. actually read that was, article. Oh yeah, that yeah, was because good. you know the concept is when things get so surreal in the news, what's a writer to do? Yeah, I mean, can you? <laughs> could you make up the things that are going on now? Exactly. Right? And what's interesting is many, several of them pointed out, you know, that you, not several, but it was pointed out that. Um, you know, any one day in the news cycle would be hard to make up for a novel, right. but it's repeated every day yeah. right now in the news. So that was, I did read that. That was yeah, really it was like fun to see the different novelists, different takes on what could mm -hmm. be happening. So interesting. Anyway, yeah. So that, that's Joseph Finder, not to be mistaken for Finder. No, we, we did learn it's Finder. <laughs> yes. Mm -hmm. And so I, I did really enjoy this book. I know I can tell. Well, you, you know, too. I mean, you're, you were a former prosecutor. I, I and was. this is all about courtrooms and judges. Well, yeah. tell them what it's about. Okay, so um, the premise is is, um, is kind of delicious, actually. A very straight and narrow, follow the rules judge, as I expect most judges are, at least the mm -hmm. ones that I ever appeared in front of. This actually, the character reminds me of a judge who kind of mentored me a little bit and um, who I was very fond of. Just always doing the right thing, working really hard. And... The judge in this book um, is that kind of person, and she attends a conference out of town, and very uncharacteristically that evening, has a romantic um, interlude with someone she meets from the conference that day, mm -hmm. and uh, they agree right away, never going to happen again, never yeah. see and each other she, again. Just we just point out that she is married. Oh, for sure, and has, yeah. has children. Yep. And so, it obviously, it violated many codes of ethics for her, personally and professionally. Mm -hmm. um, and so, anyway, so the next day she's back at work, normal life, busy, right? Husband's a professor, law professor, kid's back at school, she's back in a courtroom. And she's working on this very complex um, piece of litigation she has in front of her. And a new attorney appears in her courtroom, and it's the guy that she had her... Dun, dun, dun. Spent her evening with. Yeah. <laughs> and he is not supposed to be from this area, from a different country, and he is now appearing in front of her. And so right away, right, her whole her worlds just crash together. Right. And then, on top of it, he starts blackmailing her. Yes. So it just gets really, really great from there. Yeah. So um, I found that to be just a, a wonderful premise, and it the book just gets you yeah. really quick. Yeah, and there's lots of twists and turns. It really mm -hmm. kind of brings you along. It does. Um, 
what I wanted to talk with you about today is um, the judge finds herself in this very peculiar situation, right? Where she's been up to this point, ethical, law abiding, you know, uh, as she describes herself, she waits for the walk sign, even when no one's coming. She'd never cheated her taxes. Um, she never would round up her billable hours when she was back in, in private practice, right? And all of a sudden she realizes to get herself out of this horrible situation, she has to start committing crimes, right? Yeah. To try to get oh, herself yeah. out of yeah. this blackmail. And so she, the main character actually brings up this, and I've heard of it before. She calls it a thought experiment. But here's a thought experiment that okay. the main character actually brings up, but I'm going to give it to you. Okay. I'm a ready. man's wife is dying. There's only one drug that will save her life. It's prohibitively expensive. The pharmacist will not lower the price. And the man doesn't have the money. What should the man do? Should he steal the drug? To the judge in the book, she says, the real question was, who wouldn't? Right. What do you think? I think that um, she's right. I mean, what else would you do? You'd have to steal it. Right. You know, it's... It, I don't know. If, they, if you've exhausted every other avenue and you don't have the money for it, right. I would steal it. Why not? Well, it, it it's, um, I think that the, the question is kind of the crux of the book, right? Mm -hmm. Is that the law is supposed to be black, black and, and white. white, but really every day judges and prosecutors and cops and defense attorneys deal in the world of gray. Yeah. And, um, I just thought of this now, but I had seen an article on the way here, um, in some news outlet and I don't recall what it was, but I think, you know, kind of a basic news outlet, nothing too, mm -hmm. um, on the fringes, but a, a gentleman was in the hospital, um, a cancer patient, um, mm -hmm. end stage, mm -hmm. and the police came in and oh, yeah. searched his room for uh, cannabis oil. Right. And I ridiculous. thought, that is a horrible position for everyone to be in. I don't think the cops right. probably enjoyed themselves either. I don't know. They sounded like they did well, when I, I think, saw it. <laughs> I, you know, in fairness, I, yeah, you're right. they're doing their job. Right, right? they were. And I, I find that is a really difficult situation, especially right now, because on the books, right, certain drugs right. are illegal. Right. And, you know, what do you do? So then that's this woman. Her life is on the line. There's no one that could help her. Right. And so she was finding herself questioning that all the time you know what's yeah. what's right and what's wrong and it's... right well and i also think it i mean that, that the question is too i mean does his wife have good life insurance maybe he doesn't steal it so he gets the life insurance oh my gosh that's <laughs> we've taken a turn i don't know because see that's a whole different conversation now <laughs> But, you know, in the book, too, the, the thing is, it's like, who's she saving? She's not saving somebody's life. She's saving her own career she or something. Was trying, and initially, she was trying uh, to protect her family. At least initially. Yeah. Initially. Because it does become much more high stakes as right. the book goes along. This is true. So yeah. Then, then it, it makes it almost easier for her to make decisions the harder, higher the stakes. I and, think so, too. I think yeah. once it passes a certain point, mm -hmm. you know, so yeah. we don't want to give anything away. Nope. The other thing I thought that was really interesting is the, the judge, Juliana is her name, realized that for the first time, I think... Um, through what she had gone through that as a judge you are just really separated by circumstances right. one decision can separate the person that's in front of the bench versus the person who's sitting behind it yeah 
And I, I, when I was for a very short time in, in that world of criminal law, I did see that firsthand that um, the people who were in court facing charges were often just two decisions away from you right. know, a normal sustaining life mm-hmm. versus this down kind of downward spiral. Right. And once you get in the system, it's just so darn hard to get out yeah. of it. Yeah. So that was really interesting, I thought. Yeah. So you chose the wine for today. The, let's say it again. Salsa. That's right. <laughs> what I wanted to know is, well, how did you pick that one and why did it kind of connect with you in this book? Okay, so um, in this book, like we just said, the very first chapter, she's <laughs> at a bar after a conference and a different city. And so she's away from, you know, her family, everybody. And she has, she always only has one glass of wine. And that would be, in this case, was a Sancerre. And then once she met this gentleman and he influenced her somewhat, um, <laughs> she had a second glass of wine. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> yeah. But it was Sancerre, and that was her wine of choice a couple of times through the book. So I was like, hey, I wonder what this Sancerre tastes yeah. like and if it's going to make me go out and... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but I mean... Dare I say, you might have a second class. I might. I might just <laughs> And you're that. attending a conference tomorrow, I'm just saying. In a, in a different <laughs> oh, town. Oh, no. <laughs> mm. Anyway, so, um, so yeah, so that's why I chose the wine. And then as far as food in the book, mm-hmm. um, there wasn't, you know, they didn't have a lot of eating, but there was one interesting um, scene that I thought... Well, a couple, but one, basically it was the breakfasts that mm-hmm. stood out to me. And there was one where the um, husband was making um, a power breakfast for the son Before a test. Before a test. Yeah. And, um, and so he would make bacon, eggs, and toasted English muffins. And, and as she described it, the menu never varied. So this was every time. And so my question to you is, do you do the same thing with your kids, um, or I I I used to. Mm-hmm. You know, now they're at the age where they um, eat whatever they want. Yeah, but when they were younger, I would definitely mm-hmm. um, try at least try to make sure they just had breakfast every day. Yeah, and I and you know I had a I had a uh, one I have a, a daughter who's not very alert in the morning and doesn't really she's not hungry. Yeah, it was yeah. always really a challenge, but I really think it helps to yeah. get some food in your stomach. Yeah, and um, yeah, I was attested right before this podcast <laughs> when I had to. It was just gonna eat say, half the kitchen. Christy, before. you recall that? Um, I was getting very hangry. Yes, hangry is a problem. But yes, yes. I, I, whenever I could do that, I definitely, yeah. and I still, yeah. I still try to do that. Yeah, I did that too. Yeah, I don't know if my kids remember, but on the days that they had tests, I made sure they had, you know, a good balanced breakfast. Not that they, they probably were pretty spoiled most of the time, but, um, some days were the egg days and some Mm -hmm. days were just, you know, pop tart on the road. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. And so then there was another scene in here in the book too, where they had, um, it was like a breakfast meeting and there was being served caviar and creme fraiche tartlets. I was going to, and I was curious if you're going to bring that up. I thought that was a very peculiar breakfast right. dish. Right, and, and she, um, you know, she even commented it didn't sing like breakfast food, and she didn't care for caviar anyway. Well, I like caviar. I probably would have 
eaten it, but I, I decided to research a little bit to see if in like Russia they eat caviar for breakfast <laughs> or something. And fresh tartlets. Mm -hmm. and, and I did find one article that there was somebody that was um, living like an oligarch or whatever, oh, sure. you know, yeah. for, it was like a tourist. So yeah, I'm going to eat like an oligarch for oh, three days or okay. something. And one of the comments was, um, can you really have caviar for all three meals? And the answer is yes. Yes, you can. <laughs> so yeah. And, and then the final food scene that I remembered um, was the steamer clams, corn, and lobster, like a big mm -hmm. on the table with, and have you ever done that? Because you're in the Midwest. We are, we are. Um, yeah, we have, we have. Um, At home or when you like visited New England or something? Uh, well, uh, we have a couple friends who like to do oh, yeah. like a clam bake, uh -huh. a, a South Dakota version of a clam bake. Yeah. Right, yeah. which is imported clams, right. not fresh, frozen, obviously, right. you know, but that's just what we have. Right. But you have like Rocky Mountain oysters. Or... <laughs> Those are available. <laughs> we have very good. Um, we're not going. You have to look it up. Yeah, no. Yeah, we're not going to describe. But we have. But there's. If you South Dakota has lovely local fish. Walleye is delicious. And, oh yeah. Yeah. But okay. Yeah. So that was the food from the book. I like it. Yeah. So now that our mouth is watering, and I'm going to look for that. Um, goat, the goat cheese. cheese. Wouldn't that bring it I know. Over here? I thought I brought it over here, but um, while you describe what your writerly discussion okay. is going to be, we uh, we have a small audience today, and, and I, our audience member is going to bring us our goat, goat cheese, cheese to and share. I'll, and I'll top off our. Oh, wine thank on. you. Okay, so I went um, to find some information about Mr. Fender, and on his website, he's written a few articles. Thank you. Um, about kind of geared towards other writers. Uh-huh. And so I'm always very curious to see, you know, when people have tabs on their website saying, you know, for writers, that kind of thing. Uh-huh. And he had an article that I love the title of, and the title is Just Write the Damned Book Already. <laughs> That's what I say to myself all the right, time. Right, all the time. And so he starts off by saying, you wouldn't believe how many people I meet who tell me they have a great idea for a novel if only they had time to write one. And he says, you know, I say, you're right. That's my secret. I have all this free time. And I just, that just cracked me up, right? And I've, I've heard that, you know, on, on the bucket list, writing a novel is a real, it's really high on, um, on people's bucket list. Right. And so this article is kind of about that, is that, and he says, writing is the only profession I can think of that requires no license, no certificate, no training, no tools. Anybody who wants to be a writer can be. All you have to do is write. Yep. And so, anyway, I just want to know what your thoughts were about that. You know, that you just have to follow through and write the thing. Yes. Yeah, and it's not easy. No. That's one of the hardest parts. It's definitely not the hardest part of writing a book. But getting started often is the hardest. And then finishing. And then finishing. You know, yeah. getting started is definitely a, a hurdle. Right. But then I think, I, I would imagine a, a lot of people, and I have done this on many novels myself, where you mm -hmm. start and you peter out, and you're like, right. okay, that's not, there's, yeah. nothing, there's nothing there. And sometimes I think that's a way to test, right, right. to see if it's, if you've got, you know, mm -hmm. 80 or 90,000 words in that idea. Mm -hmm. But um, the next part is the actual, the follow-through, yeah, the finishing. Yep, yeah. yep. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought that was really interesting. But there's so many people that do, um, that do write with, 
Crazy schedules. Crazy schedules. I know. And it's like, where do you find time to write? You know? They, you know. It, so, and again, it's something they've decided they want to do. Right. Instead of something else. On the weekend, yeah. they want to write. You know? And so, if you really want to, you probably can. You'll find time. But yeah. you have to give something else up, probably. Yeah. I have a, a quote from Harlan Coben above my desk and about this exact thing. And, and you know, he talks about people who... If you want to talk about lack of time, right? He's like, mm-hmm. here's who here's who didn't have time, but they did it, and it, you know, it's a oh, it's yeah. a good reminder. And I, I know. Um, well, you are one busy person, and you're able to write, so you should. Well, know. I I think busy is relative. Yeah, and you're busy too. Everyone's yeah. busy. But I but he so one of the things that Fender ends the article with, he's gives some kind of tips, and he's like, just write it, meaning get in it down, fix it later. Yeah, because right, it's easier to. I know, because I I am guilty of that. I get yeah. like stuck up fixing and fixing, and then yeah. I'm like. Ugh. Gotta get more down. And then he said, you do have the time. Yeah, everyone yeah. has the time. And I, I do agree with that. That you... Yeah. Sometimes, everything's a choice. Exactly. And so, if you're going to make time for one thing, you're, by by its very nature, giving up the time to do other things. Right. And I'm terribly guilty of overbooking myself. Mm-hmm. And so, I'm getting better at learning the fact that I'm... But, you know, yeah, by choosing one... to be one, able to say no to something and... Yeah, allows and you not, to say yes to another and, yeah. and vice versa. Mm-hmm. So... I thought that was really interesting. Yep. Good advice, Mr. I know, Fender. Mr. Fender, write the damn book already. <laughs> so I love that. Oh, good. I love that. Yes. So I I really want to tell our listeners that Judgment is a great book they should add to their Yes, to their I, I agree. I mean, it was on the bestseller list for a reason, because it was a good, good read. For sure. Let's so. try some of this goat cheese with our wine here as okay. we're... Ending up. It's, it's very creamy, so oh, wow. it goes right with the... Um, oh, that's delicious. And then take a right. Oh, makes oh. the wine taste good, doesn't good it? Good Lord. It does. That's really good. I know. Yeah. Oh, good. Okay, so everybody try the wine and try it with goat cheese. Yes. That's it's yummy. It's Say it again. Sancerre. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and I also want to tell everybody... That we have the real privilege of doing some podcasts starting tomorrow is when we're going to record them for a, in front of a live audience at Sleuth Fest later this week. Yes, um, we're going to be recording our Corks and Conversation podcasts um, where we talk with published authors. And I must say we have some award-winning and best-selling authors from all genres of mystery that have agreed to share their knowledge and secrets with all mm-hmm. you aspiring writers and fans out there. And of course, we plan on sampling some wine with them while we talk. Of course, <laughs> of course. And um, <clears throat> it should be a lot of fun anyway. And, and getting to know these accomplished authors and kind of picking their brains. I'm really looking forward to it. So um, without further ado... That's all for this episode of Game of Books, where we share food, wine, and mystery. If you liked listening, then be sure to subscribe to us uh, so you can get your food, wine, and mystery tips every Friday morning, just in time for the weekend. Yes, and please talk to us on Twitter or Facebook at GOB Writers. We'd love to hear your thoughts about uh, Joseph Finder's uh, novel, Judgment, his tips on just writing that damn novel. Mm-hmm. And of course, the wine and food. Mm -hmm. This is Kathy. And Christy. Saying thanks for listening.